0: Chapter 23 of Oliver Twist by Charles Dickens This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 23, which contains the substance of a pleasant conversation between Mr. Bumble and a lady, and shows that even a beadle may be susceptible on some points. The night was bitter cold. The snow lay on the ground, frozen into a hard, thick crust so that only the heaps that had drifted into byways and corners were affected by the sharp wind that howled abroad, which, as if expending increased fury on such prey as it found, caught it savagely up in clouds and whirling it into a thousand misty eddies, scattered it in air, bleak, dark and piercing cold. It was a night for the well-housed and fed to draw round the bright fire, and thank God they were at home and for the homeless, starving wretch to lay him down and die. Many hunger-worn outcasts close their eyes in our bare streets at such times, who, let their crimes have been what they may, can hardly open them in a more bitter world. Such was the aspect of -of out-of-doors affairs, when Mrs. Corney, the matron of the workhouse, to which our readers have already been introduced as the birthplace of Oliver Twist, sat herself down before a cheerful fire in her own little room and glanced with no small degree of complacency at a small round table on which stood a tray of corresponding size furnished with all necessary materials for the most grateful meal that matrons enjoy in fact mrs corney was about to solace herself with a cup of tea as she glanced from the table to the fireplace where the smallest of all the possible kettles was singing a small song In a small voice, her inward satisfaction evidently increased. So much so, indeed, that Mrs. Corney smiled. Well, said the matron, leaning her elbow on the table and looking reflectively at the fire. I'm sure we have all on us a great deal to be grateful for, a great deal if we did but know it. Ah. Mrs. Corney shook her head mournfully, as if deploring the mental blindness of those paupers who did not know it and thrusting a silver spoon, private property, into the innermost recesses of a two-ounce tin tea caddy, proceeded to make the tea. How slight a thing will disturb the equanimity of our frail minds. Black teapot being very small, and easily filled, ran over what Mrs. Corney was moralising, and the water slightly scalded Mrs. Corney's hand drat the pot said the worthy matron setting it down very hastily on the hob a little stupid thing that only holds a couple of cups what use is it of to anybody except said mrs corney pausing except to a poor desolate creature like me oh dear with these words the matron dropped into her chair and once more resting her elbow on the table thought of her solitary fate the small teapot and the single cup had awakened in her mind sad recollections of mr corney who had not been dead more than five-and-twenty years and she was overpowered i shall never get another said mrs corney pettishly i shall never get another like him whether this remark bore reference to the husband or the teapot it is uncertain it might have been the latter for mrs corney looked at it as she spoke and took it up afterwards she had just tasted her first cup when she was disturbed by a soft tap at the room door i'll come in with you said mrs corney sharply some of the old women dying i suppose they always die when i'm at meals don't stand there letting the cold air in don't and what's amiss now eh nothing ma'am nothing replied a man's voice dear me exclaimed the matron in a much sweeter tone. is that mr bumble at your service ma'am said mr bumble who had been stopping outside to rub his shoes clean and to take the snar off his coat and who now made his appearance bearing the cocked hat in one hand and a bundle in the other. Shall I shut the door, ma'am? The lady modestly hesitated to reply, lest there should be any impropriety in holding an interview with Mr. Bumble with closed doors. Mr. Bumble, taking advantage of the hesitation and being very cold himself, shut it without permission. Hard weather, Mr. Bumble, said the matron. Hard indeed, ma'am, replied the beadle. Anti-parochial weather this, man We have given away a matter of twenty quartern loaves and cheese and a half this very blessed afternoon, yet them paupers are not contented. Of course not. Why would they be, mr Bumble? said the matron, sipping her tea. When indeed, ma'am, rejoined mr Bumble. where well, here's one man that, in consideration of his wife and large family, has a quarter and loaf and a good pound of cheese, full weight. Is he grateful, ma'am? Is he grateful, not a copper farthing's worth of it? What does he do, ma'am, but ask for a few coals? It's only a pocket handkerchief full, he says. Coals? What would he do with coals? Toast his cheese with them? Come back for more? That's the way with these people, ma'am. Give them an apron full of coals today, and they'll come back for another day after tomorrow. As brazen as alabaster. The matron expressed her entire concurrence with this intelligible simile, and the beadle went on. I never, said mr Bumble, see anything like the pitch it's got to. The day afore yesterday a man-you have been a married woman, ma'am, and I may mention it to you-a man with hardly a rag on his back here mrs Corney looked at the floor goes to our overseer's door when he's got company coming to dinner and says he must be relieved. Mrs. Corney, as he wouldn't go away, and shocked the company very much. Our overseer sent him out a pound of potatoes and a half pint of oatmeal. My heart, says the ungrateful villain, what's the use of this to me? You might as well give me a pair of iron spectacles. Very good, says our overseer, take your boy again. You don't get anything else here. Then I'll die in the street, says the vagrant. Oh, no, you won't, says the overseer aha that was very good so like mr granite isn't it interposed the matron well mr bumble well yes ma'am rejoined the beadle he went away and he did die in the streets there's an obstinate pauper for you it beats anything i could have believed observed the matron emphatically but don't you think out-of-door relief is a very bad thing anyway mr bumble you're a gentleman of experience and ought to know come Mrs Corney, said the beadle, smiling as men smile who are conscious of superior information, out-of-door relief properly managed, properly managed, ma'am, is the parochial safeguard. The great principle of out-of-door relief is to give the paupers exactly what they don't want, and then they get tired of coming. Dear me, exclaimed Mrs Corney, well, that is a good one, too. "'Yes, betwixt you and me, ma'am,' returned Mr. Bumble. "'It's the great principle and the reason why, "'if you look at any cases that get into them audacious newspapers, "'you will always observe that sick families "'have been relieved with slices of cheese. "'That's the rule now, Mrs. Corney, all over the country.' "'But, however,' said the beadle, stopping to unpack his bundle, "'these are official secrets, ma'am, not to be spoken of, "'except, as I may say, among the parochial officers.' Such as ourselves. This is the port wine man that board ordered for the infirmary. Real fresh, genuine port wine. Only out of the cask this forenoon, clear as a bell, and no sediment. Having held up the first bottle to the light, and shaken it well to test its excellence, Mr Bumble placed them both on top of a chest of drawers, folded the handkerchief in which they had been wrapped, put it carefully in his pocket, and took up his hat as if to go. a very cold walk mr bumble said the matron it blows ma'am replied mr bumble turning up his coat collar enough to cut one's ears off the matron looked from the little kettle to the beadle who was moving towards the door And as the beadle coughed propriety to bidding her good-night bashfully inquired whether whether he wouldn't take a cup of tea mr bumble instantly turned back his collar again laid his hat and stick upon a chair and drew another chair up to the table. As he slowly seated himself, he looked at the lady. She fixed her eyes upon the little teapot. Mr Bumble coughed again and slightly smiled. Mrs. Corney rose to get another cup of saucer from the closet. As she sat down her eyes once more encountered those of the gallant beadle. She coloured and applied herself to the task of making his tea. Again Mr Bumble coughed, louder this time than he had coughed yet. Sweet, Mr. Bumble, inquired the matron, taking up the sugar basin. Very sweet indeed, ma'am, replied Mr. Bumble. He fixed his eyes on Mrs. Corney as he said this, and if ever a beadle looked tender, Mr. Bumble was that beadle that moment. Tea was made and handed in silence. Mr. Bumble, having spread a handkerchief over his knees to prevent crumbs from sullying the splendour of his shorts, began to eat and drink. Varying these amusements occasionally by fetching a deep sigh, which, however, had no injurious effect upon his appetite, but, on the contrary, rather seemed to facilitate his operations in the tea and toast department. You have a cat, ma'am, I see, said Mr. Bumble, glancing at one who was in the centre of her family, basking before the fire. And kittens too, I declare. I'm so fond of them, Mr. Bumble, you can't think, replied the matron. They're so happy, so frolicsome, so cheerful, that they are quite companions for me very nice animals ma'am replied mr bumble approvingly so very domestic oh yes rejoined the matron with enthusiasm so fond of their home too it's quite a pleasure i'm sure mrs Corney, ma'am said mr bumble slowly marking the time with his teaspoon i mean to say this ma'am that any cat or kitten that could live with you ma'am and not be fond of its home must be an ouse, ma'am oh mr bumble remonstrated mrs Corney. It's no use of disguising facts, ma'am, said Mr. Bumble, slowly flourishing the teaspoon with a kind of amorous dignity which made it doubly impressive. I would drown it myself with pleasure. You're a cruel cool, man, said the matron vivaciously as she held out her hand for the beadle's cup, and a very hard-hearted man besides. Hard-hearted, ma'am, said Mr. Bumble. Hard, Mr. Bumble resigned signed his cup without another word. Squeeze Mrs. Corney's little finger as she took it and inflicting two open-handed slaps upon his lace waistcoat gave a mighty sigh and hitched his chair a little morsel further from the fire it was a round table and mrs corney and mr bumble had been sitting opposite each other with no great space between them and fronting the fire it will be seen that mr bumble receding from the fire still keeping at the table increased the distance between himself and mrs corney which proceeding some prudent readers will doubtless be disposed to admire and to consider an act of great heroism on mr bumble's part he being in some sort of tempted by time and place an opportunity to give utterance to certain soft nothings which however well they may become the lips of the light and thoughtless do seem immeasurably beneath the dignity of judges of the land members of parliament ministers of state lord mayors and other great functionaries but more particularly beneath the stateliness and gravity of a beadle who as is well known should be the sternest and most inflexible among them all whatever were mr bumble's intentions however and no doubt they were of the best it unfortunately happened as has been twice before remarked that the table was a round one consequently mr bumble moving his chair little and little soon began to diminish the distance between himself and the matron, and, continuing to travel round the outer edge of the circle, brought his chair in time close to that which the matron was seated. Indeed, the two chairs touched, and when they did so, Mr. Bumble stopped. Now, if the matron had moved her chair to the right, she would have been scorched by the fire, and to the left she must have fallen into Mr. Bumble's arms. So, being a discreet matron, and no doubt foreseeing these consequences at a glance, she remained where she was, and handed Mr. Bumble another cup of tea. "'Hard-hearted, Mrs. Corney said Mr. Bumble, stirring his tea and looking up into the matron's face. "'Are you hard-hearted, Mrs. Corney?" "'Dear me,' exclaimed the matron, "'what a very curious question for a single man. "'What do you want to know for, Mr. Bumble?' The beadle drank his tea to the last drop, finished a piece of toast, whisked the crumbs off his knees, wiped his lips and deliberately kissed the matron mr bumble cried that discreet lady in a whisper for the fright was so great that she had quite lost her voice mr bumble i shall scream mr bumble made no reply but in a slow and dignified manner put his arm round the matron's waist as the lady had stated her intention of screaming of course she would have screamed at this additional boldness but that the exertion was rendered unnecessary by a hasty knocking at the door Which was no sooner heard than Mr Bumble darted with much agility to the wine-bottles and began dusting them with great violence, while the matron sharply demanded who was there. It is worthy of remark, as a curious physical instance of the efficacy of a sudden surprise in counteracting the effects of extreme fear, that her voice had quite recovered all its official asperity. If you please, mistress, said a withered old female pauper, hideously ugly putting her head at the door. Old Sally is a-going fast. Well, what's that to me? Demanded the matron. I can't keep her alive, can I? No, mistress, replied the old woman. Nobody can. She's far beyond the reach of help. I've seen many people die, little babes and great strong men. And I know when death's coming well enough. But she's troubled in her mind. And when the fits are not on her, and that's not often, for she's dying very hard, she says she's got something to tell you. But you must hear she'll never die quiet till you come mistress at this intelligence the worthy mrs corney muttered a variety of invectives against old women who couldn't even die without purposely annoying their betters and muffling herself in a thick shawl which she hastily caught up briefly requested mr bumble to stay till she came back lest anything particular should occur bidding the messenger walk fast and not being all night hobbling up the stairs She followed her from the room with a very ill grace, scolding all the way. Mr. Bumble's conduct on being left to himself was rather inexplicable. He opened the closet, counted the teaspoons, weighed the sugar tongs, closely inspected a silver milk pot to ascertain that it was the genuine metal. Having satisfied his curiosity on these points, put on his cocked hat corner-wise and danced with much gravity four distinct times round the table. Having gone through this very extraordinary performance, he took off the cocked hat again, spreading himself before the fire with his back towards it, he seemed to be mentally engaged in taking an exact inventory of the furniture. End of chapter twenty-three.